Welcome to the Coping 19 Limited Series Podcast, a positive look at how entrepreneurs are coping with this COVID-19 pandemic, what they're learning from this situation, and how they're changing their business practices to accommodate this new world. And now here's your host, Jennifer Lee. Imagine you're at home, on your couch, watching your favorite romantic movie. The two characters are about to realize they both love each other, and they lean in for that big, iconic scene where they give that everlasting kiss. But imagine you are sitting there, watching them just about to lean in, and nothing? Well, that could be a reality. We all know that COVID-19 has stopped production on major motion pictures. Hey, we live in BC, which is like Hollywood North, and a lot of things are shot here. But because of the pandemic, everyone had to shut down their productions. And now there's talk that they've got to figure out how they are going to have characters even stand in the same scene as one another, making sure that they have enough distance between them. And not even that, they got to make sure that the crews are safe as well. So this is a whole new landscape. And let's face it, the only reason we are getting through the pandemic is because we have Netflix, we have Crave, we have bingeable shows, our one lifeline to the outside world while we were all in quarantine. But we're going to run out of content soon if nobody's making any. It's interesting because as we're about to head into phase three here in BC, uh, production is going to start happening, but local production only. And then I was also reading another article the other day that soap operas are going to start filming. And one soap opera has a creative idea on how to fix the love scenes. Because let's face it, when you watch a soap opera, there's a lot of hanky panky. It's like... They are together, they're in love, they hop into bed, oh oh, they break up, oh no, they got back together, oh no, their long lost, oh, lover came back from the dead, oh they hop into bed again, oh no. (laughs) It's like a constant whirlwind of romance. I don't think there's one day that goes by that either the characters are not hopping into bed together or not kissing. So soap operas would be very difficult to do under the new COVID set of rules. How do you stay six feet apart during a love scene? Well, I was reading an article that Bold and the Beautiful actually have come up with a solution. They're going to use, wait for it, blow-up dolls. I don't know. All I can think of, two balloons rubbing together. Not very sexy, especially if they pop. I feel like that's going to slow down production. You're going to need extra blow-up dolls. But at least they're thinking, and as we move forward and more things are opening up around the world, we all have to come up with creative solutions. And and the entertainment industry is a big one. It's probably one of the hardest hit industries during the pandemic. And not only that, there's so many different sectors of the entertainment industry. Another one being modeling. If you've been watching a lot of models, they're modeling from home. They're modeling with their toaster. They're modeling on their windowsill with their flowers. They're modeling on their couch in their couture gowns. They're becoming very creative. And actually, I have to say, I enjoy the photos. I think they're very beautiful and it's very creative. I think it's great. Not only that, major publications like Vogue Italia have started to do FaceTime photo shoots. So this could be how photo shoots are done in the future. I also read one article 
article where they're doing virtual photo shoots, meaning the person is posing in one outfit and then they're virtually dressing them with the outfit that they want to market. It's like paper dress up dolls for 2020. So a lot of these things could stick with us. We don't know. Or it's gonna be a moment in time where many years down the road, younger generations are gonna go to museums and see tons of photos of us living our lives during COVID-19. We've all had to adapt like the rest of the world has. So a lot of at-home photo shoots, FaceTime photo shoots. I have one tomorrow. Vogue Italia just shot Gigi Hadid at home. Most of what's been done is FaceTime photo shoots and a lot of live streaming is happening. They are saying that September Fashion Week will be all live streamed. Whether that's made up of boutique runway shows with six models or less, it will be pre-recorded and we will all be watching it at home, unfortunately. But the fashion industry has definitely taken a hit and a lot of fashion houses are trying to navigate and trying to adjust as best as they can. Some great ways that fashion houses are also adjusting is they're making masks. You know, they're showing up. They are using their resources to to support and help frontline workers. Christian Suriano was one of the first fashion designers to start doing that. And then Louis Vuitton, Greta Constantine, YSL, so many have followed suit because they have these resources. They have abundance of fabrics that might not be used for their spring, summer 2020 collection. So they're using that now towards protective masks. And I think that's great and extremely supportive. That's Therese Me. We are going to talk more to her about the whole entertainment industry and the future of fashion and film. And she touched a little bit about it, but we're going to talk about masks and what she sees as other types of either fashion accessories or the way that clothes are going to look because of the pandemic. Fashion is influenced by history. It's influenced by events and circumstances. So we're going to touch more on that and, of course... I want to know more about the non-kissing <laughs> rules and what we're going to see on film sets because, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, people are going to have to be more creative to get back to work. There is just so many questions that I want to ask her, but let me tell you about her so you can get to know her. And she is, again, Theresa Me, and she is a model. And not only that, she is the owner of Prowess Productions which is a Canadian-based production company focused on showcasing powerful pro-women concepts with a fresh approach. So, Therese, how did you start this company and what makes it different from other production companies that are out there? So I started my company, Prowess, in December of 2017. And along with incorporating my company, I also accumulated the film option rights to a literary adaptation called Back Shadow. So both of those happened at the same time. And then from there, it's been insane. Um, I've done the film festival circuits. I've gone back and forth to LA, to New York. I've, of course, been in Cannes. I've been in Sundance. And you meet with so many different people from around the world. So it's been challenging, it's been life-changing, and it's been a huge learning curve, but it's given me a whole new appreciation, and it's really developed a whole new love for this world and for this industry. Basically, that's how Prowess started, and now we have our second literary adaptation, which we accumulated in summer of last year, in 2019, and that's Blessed Be. So Backshadow and Blessed Be are the main focuses right now for Prowess. The idea behind Prowess is that I wanted to definitely support women's stories, 
and diversified cultures. Right now, so two of our properties, Backshadow and Blessed Be, are heavily focused on women and heavily focused on cross-cultural controversies, particularly in India. And furthermore, I also wanted to tell stories that need to be told, tell stories that are of topics that no one talks about. And, you know, as much as I love romantic comedies and musicals right now, for me, telling stories of, of abuse and cultural adversities and the underground world of human trafficking, I just think those are such paramount and profound topics that need to have light shed on them. And it's very interesting because when I started my company in 2017, that's really when the Me Too movements and the Time's Up Now movements started to come into effect. And that's when women in film really did commence becoming supported finally. And a huge moment for me was when I was in Cannes in 2018. And that's when 5050 by 2020, the, the movement rallied on the red carpet at the premiere of La Fille du Soleil. And that's when the pledge for parody was finally signed at the Cannes Film Festival after 72 years because of that red carpet protest. So now, after 72 years, the Cannes Film Festival has implemented the same amount of female filmmakers as male filmmakers for every single category, which is groundbreaking. So I definitely wanted to be a part of that movement. But one objective that is very significant is for equality and is for equal comprehension. So I don't want audience members to watch my films and to hate men or to despise the opposite sex because in both my projects, men play a very significant role in assisting these women, in helping these women, in loving these women, in helping these women find themselves. And I wanted to maintain that as opposed to it be all about the women. Equality, having parity, and just really having understanding as to an empathy. Empathy is a huge theme in both of these projects and stories as well. It's amazing what you're doing being a woman filmmaker because there are so many talented women out there around the world that are creating films and they deserve to be noticed and they deserve to have the scripts that they're written produced. So I think it's great that you are doing this. They're very inspirational women with some very, very important stories out there that we need to be able to see as an audience. So now I'm very happy that you took one step forward and created your own company and that you are involved in sharing women's stories. That being said, obviously all of us had this big roadblock this year put in front of many of our companies and it's something uncontrollable and that is COVID-19. So as a producer, what are you doing right now? Are you still working even though the actual filming can't take place yet? Right now I'm in pre-production and a lot of that is emails, on the phone, conference calls. A lot of that can be done at home anyways. I have been really seeing a decline, but I really hope that we will be able to go to camera as soon as possible. And it's interesting because I am looking, I'm constantly seeing how the industry is saying it's going to change. And it's very interesting because a lot of distributors and a lot of, of production houses and streaming platforms, they need content. So they need to fuel the content that they have lost from things being delayed for production. So I think a lot of independent films will be much more supported. I think a lot of ultra low budget projects will be much more supported because they need to make films regardless. They need to constantly still provide content to their platform. So I think there definitely is positives in regards to up and coming filmmakers being more supported. I think when we look back in a few years, we are going to see some amazing content. Even maybe some of it will win 
in huge awards like the Oscars or Golden Globes or other accolades because I think right now while people are spending more time in their home they're creating and like you said there could be a lot of independent films that pop out of this or a lot of people just doing solo productions in their house or small crews depending on what the government has said for the limits depending on where you live I think this is the time for a lot of people to shine especially here in Canada I think it's time for our voices to be heard and our content to be shared globally and more and more people to see it and I'm excited to see what's going to come out of here and we've already seen a lot of different shows pop out on YouTube on other streaming services on cable television that's not traditionally filmed on the Food Network they are showcasing Amy Schumer's latest show with her husband and it is not filmed in a fancy studio it's filmed at their home with just a little bit of equipment and probably only one person filming it and that's it not much going on there you can see that's in their kitchen it looks lit pretty well but other than that it just looks like a normal day in their kitchen it's cute it's funny great chemistry between them but that show is airing on a massive network that is used to putting all this glitz and glamour and time into the cooking shows and not only that slice tv yeah i watch a lot of reality tv shows but they have been able to wrap up their seasons because usually they do a live studio kind of like tell all where the cast gets together after the season and they pretty much just fight the whole time but andy cohen usually hosts those and he's been hosting them from home and they're on zoom and so it's so interesting to me that we're not kind of just sitting back and waiting we're making things happen so i'm wondering if there's going to be a lot more kind of zoom tv in the future uh for things that we can do on zoom and then of course still have the hollywood productions going on when we can film them I think it's amazing how the late night show, Amy Schumer, I know Gordon Ramsay's filming at home too. I think it's awesome how certain celebrities are adapting and, and they're showing a more intimate side of their lives too. Like I think Jimmy Fallon, like his kids are his graphic design team and it's adorable. Like he's trying to do a show and his daughter's like climbing all over him. So I think it's definitely giving fans an, a new look and new view of how they are at home. So I think it's a positive and I think it's highly entertaining. But in regards to how things will go back when this all lifts. I don't think there will be audiences in live shows anymore. I think, which like is unfortunate because I know a lot of people loved being studio audiences, but I think that will not happen for a while. And crews are definitely cutting back on the essential parts that they need. So there won't be any more background workers. A lot of crew members will double as background. Only essential crew members will be allowed on set. It's interesting because you can't kiss anymore as an actor, like intimate scenes are not going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see how stories will still be told with a certain level of, of love and, and emotion without that, you know, physical contact. Makeup is being scaled back. But what they're also doing, which I think is interesting, is that they're diversifying crews and splitting them up. Basically, you can film different scenes at the same time with a separate crew, and you are filming in different parts of the studio. And their reason behind that is if one part of the crew gets sick, it's just one part of the crew. So they can quarantine and take care of themselves while they can still continue filming with the other part of the healthy crew. During lunchtime and when it's lunch and dinner and meal breaks, you can't sit together anymore. Everyone has to self-isolate. And I loved, you know, my breaks at lunch and I loved 
socializing with crew and with my fellow actors, but now it's more of an isolating and lonely experience. And there's just gonna be a lot more of special effects that will be imp implemented now because it has to make up for certain mannerisms and certain actions that normally actors would do without even thinking. But it'll be interesting to see how action films continue. It'll be interesting to see how soap operas continue. But right now that seems to be what the new normal is starting to look like. Oh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that there might not be any like kissing in movies or hand-holding or, or, or love scenes. I did mention at the beginning that one soap opera might be using uh, blow-up dolls for their sex scenes, but it just doesn't seem the same. I know. Like, thank goodness Fifty Shades of Grey already filmed years ago. <laughs> That'd be a very different movie. <laughs> a very whole different movie. <laughs> Anyways, it'll be interesting to see kind of what model uh, film crews decide to go with because I've heard the separation model that you were talking about. I've heard just making crews a lot smaller. I've heard a lot of different things, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what we go with soon because like I said before, uh, here in BC, Phase 3 is going ahead now and uh, local film production is going to start. And I know, Therese, that you're currently in the States right now. You are living in Charleston, but eventually going back to New York. And I realize there's a lot of challenges right now and some of us might not have figured out how to navigate them yet but anytime you're an entrepreneur there's always challenges and we can learn a lot from them and especially take that knowledge and help us through some of the current challenges we're dealing with in COVID-19. So Therese as an entrepreneur and having your own production company what is the biggest challenge you have faced so far? Being taken seriously. <laughs> um, I started my company when I was 25, 26. And being a female in board meeting where it's all males and they have much more experience and much more clout than you do can be a very intimidating experience. I have been the only female at numerous conferences and in numerous meetings. The first year I attended Cannes, I was the only female in my group. I was there with uh, three male producing partners and we met up with two other producing partners from another company that were also male. And that to me doesn't matter. Like I was happy to be guided with all of these incredible filmmakers, regardless of, of if they were male or female. But the second year I went to Cannes, I went by myself because usually for Cannes, you want to go the first week, not necessarily the second week because most of the action happens the first week. But due to scheduling conflictions, I couldn't go until the second week. And so I just went by myself because it didn't match up with people that I normally went with. I went solo and it was a fantastic experience. So... And it's intimidating. It's definitely intimidating, you know, going to these events by yourself because a lot of people will not take you seriously unless you have at least two or three males standing behind you also pitching your story concept and idea. So that has been a very big challenge for me. The steps to overcome that challenge is knowing your worth, knowing the worth of your projects and of your stories and standing behind that because you have to believe in yourself before anybody else is going to sign over millions of dollars for you to make your project. That's a good takeaway, Therese, that we can apply to COVID-19 is making yourself heard, trusting yourself, trusting your instincts because when you're not taken seriously as an entrepreneur during any time, during COVID time, prior to COVID, it's 
really hard. You want to get your idea out there and you want people to respect you. And I think that's the same thing during COVID-19 is that a lot of entrepreneurs have these businesses. It's already very stressful as an entrepreneur to keep a business afloat. And now with COVID-19, that's another extra layer on to the entrepreneur pile <laughs> of stress load that you already have. And you want to make sure you're doing everything right. You're following the government guidelines for your business. You're keeping your employees safe. If you're interacting with customers, you're keeping them safe. You're keeping yourself safe, but you're also keeping everyone happy and you're keeping uh, the business going as well. So there's a lot to what you said in the challenge that you faced as an entrepreneur that I think you can definitely apply to this new world of COVID-19. Absolutely. Going with the flow and knowing that, yes, the industry is changing right now and the world is changing right now and is intimidating and fearful as that is. And that's what a filmmaker's job is. We kind of have to go with the flow and we have to figure it out because filmmaking never goes where you want it to. Damage control and making the chaos your guided next challenge is what you simply have to do. Love it. Embracing the chaos, learning to control it. That's a skill that you need as an entrepreneur with or without COVID because you're always going to have challenges. There is never any entrepreneur that's like, wow, it was the smoothest ride to success. And if there is, they're lucky, but I highly doubt it. Okay, Therese, I want an honest answer because you are a model and you're heavily involved in the fashion industry. And I want to know, what do you see in the future? What do you see in the next few months? Are there going to be fashion shows? How are models keeping fresh and still learning? Right now, I, I don't see the traditional fashion week taking place, at least maybe not until 2021. And that is heartbreaking for many people in the industry, but it's also is an international convenience. Tomorrow I'm working with a photographer in New York, even though I'm in Charleston. So the positives of this is definitely global convenience and global recognition and exposure for your products, for your work, for your fashion line that you wouldn't necessarily have previously because normally buyers and distributors would have to travel to your runway show. So I feel that even though we will not have the intimacy and the, the audience viewed traditional runway shows, it will still prevail. On the modeling side, I also work with Kokorosha and I was lucky to take her camp before all this happened. So I worked with her and her manager and husband James in upstate New York in September 2018. But what Coco is doing, which I think is so brilliant, is she's doing model camps online. So you can still work with Coco, you can still learn and take her posing classes for a lot of models that couldn't afford to travel to New York that are on the other side of the world. They're still able to learn and practice and keep up their skill set. I think that with every negative comes a positive and it just depends on how you look at it. I totally agree. Like, how amazing is that to learn from a top talent like Coco Rocha, an international modeling success, and you get to learn from the best. And I think that's the greatest thing that I found that's come out of this is a lot of um, famous people that are experts in their craft have even teamed up with Masterclass, and you can buy their courses and learn from them, learn how to cook, learn how to build a business empire. Yeah, and I think there is a lot of positives coming out of uh, COVID-19, and I can't wait to see more. Another positive thing we're going to see out of COVID-19 is kind of the design of fashion. I think we're already seeing it with masks. And like you said at the beginning, top designers are designing masks because they're now going to be part of your wardrobe. So why not make them fashionable? I took costume history in school and it starts at the beginning of man, 
all the way to now. And they tell you all the different styles of clothing and how clothing has evolved. And it's all to do with our environment, where we're living, and of course, the circumstances that are around us. So for example, in World War II, there were a lot of shortages. So clothes had to be rationed and clothes had to start to become a bit more functional because people were walking more. There were gas shortages. More people had to plant their own food because it was less available because they were in war. So clothing had to reflect that. So Therese, what do you think we're gonna see come out of COVID-19? We mentioned masks, but do you think we're gonna see anything else? Honestly, I think as long as you can keep yourself safe and look good, I'm all for it. I think that gloves will come back. I think absolutely masks will be, fashion accessory will definitely be a part of everyone's daily attire now. And I also do like that because I think when people see the medical masks, when they see the traditional blue colored masks, there's a fear around those, that, around that color and around that particular design. I like that fashion designers are putting their own spin on it. I like that people can buy a mask and feel like, you know, this is now a part of how I get ready in the morning, as opposed to I'm going to use something that, you know, a nurse or a doctor should be using, but now I have to use it. So I think changing the whole psychosis around what that mask is for you is great and is fantastic. Rest his soul. I so wish that Alexander McQueen was still alive. I would be very curious to see how he would adapt COVID-19 into his next collection. He would be phenomenal at whatever he would come up with. But yeah, there definitely is many different designs that I've seen, great, beautiful pearl custom-made pieces. I've seen Greta Constantine, who's one of my favorite Canadian designers, has come up with some gorgeous like floral masks. There are ways to make it your own and there are ways to look at this as new fashion statement, a new way of adapting to the new normal, but making the new normal custom to you. I love that people are getting creative with masks and we're going to need to love them because you're going to have different outfits. So I think there's definitely uh, an industry where you could have casual masks, uh, going out masks, and maybe a bit more formal masks. So yeah, it will be interesting to see where this all heads. Okay, Therese, I'm kind of giving you a little bit of a surprise right now, <laughs> but um I've played games now with every single guest that I have had on here, and it's called Quarantine Questions. We're going to play it right now. All you have to do is answer as many questions as you can in a minute, and I'm eventually, I promise, I will give somebody a prize. So are you ready? Let's go. Pick a title of a movie that best describes your life right now. Lightning rounds always um, uh, back from the future. Perfect. Name a destination that you want to travel to once the travel ban is over. New York. If you could stockpile one item, what would it be? Um, more high-speed internet. <laughs> what book are you reading right now? Um, so many. I am reading... Um, I can't think because there's a timer. I'm reading, I can't even think right now, um, The War for Women. I am, of course, reading Blessed Be. I'm rereading Back Shadow. I am reading... Um, it's okay, you only need one. Hurry, quickly, let's squeeze in one more question if you can. Who would be your dream person to be quarantined with? My husband, and he's here. Oh, everyone says their husband. That's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Amy Schumer, that would be a great time. <laughs> that would be an interesting quarantine. Uh, sorry, Therese. No one can seem to beat nine, which is the top number for quarantine questions. You only got five. Damn, time's up already. 
Well, anyways, thank you so much for being a part of Coping 19, Therese, and you gave me so many great answers and insight into the modeling, fashion, and film industry, and hope to talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Coping 19 Limited Series podcast, looking at how entrepreneurs are coping with COVID-19 and how they're changing their businesses to fit this new world.